Hey, FDS listeners, are you looking for a new true crime podcast to binge? Introducing Forensic Tales. Hosted by me, Courtney Fretwell, Forensic Tales is a weekly true crime podcast with a forensic science twist. Each episode features real, bone-chilling stories to satisfy your inner forensic science and true crime itch. From fingerprinting to criminal profiling, we've got every investigative angle covered. Forensic Tales covers cases including well-known serial killers to cases you've probably never heard of. Some cases have been solved with forensic science, while others have turned cold. Forensic Tales is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening right now. That's Forensic Tales Podcast, a podcast that reminds us that not all stories have happy endings. Hey, queens, are you ready to level up? Then join our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash the female dating strategy, where you can find weekly bonus content and FDS commentary on all the latest pop culture, relationship, and dating news. If you just want to listen to the extra bonus content, we have the Lurker Mode tier on our Patreon. If you want merchandise, access to the private FDS Patreon Discord, which also includes a monthly book club with FDS and feminist-themed books, as well as FDS merchandise, t-shirts, mugs, and the opportunity to discuss topics with the FDS Podcast Queens live as well as submit stories for our Rose Discrope Queen and Gnosis discussions on the podcast itself. So if you'd like access to all this and more, visit our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash the female dating strategy. What's up, queens? Welcome to the female dating strategy podcast, the meanest female only podcast on the internet. I'm Ro. And I'm Savannah. And I'm Lola. All right, we're going in on Love is Blind this week. <laughs> yeah. This is going to be an extended roast of scrot, so sit back, buckle up, and enjoy it, ladies. We've only watched the first five or six episodes because the second set only came out last night, so... This is part one. This is part one. And then we'll... This is our first impressions, and then we'll see how everything shakes out at the end of the season. So stay tuned. Yeah, I think for this episode, we're going to focus on, you know, what are some of the early red flags, some of the early tells... Some of the early mistakes that the the women made. And roast the absolute shit out of every single man. Yeah. Practically on that show. Because <laughs> they deserve. I think we're going to go couple by couple. But the, the first, <laughs> even in like the first five minutes of the first episode, there was this one guy who I guess got cut from the show. He was like, I've never been in love except for my mother. And I was like, <clears throat> red fucking flag. I can see why you didn't get picked, okay? Gross. Gross. Okay. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, let's let's talk about a few of the one-off characters like Trish. Yeah, Trish. <laughs> yeah, before we get into the couples, let's talk about Trish. <laughs> I have so many friends. Okay, first of all, <laughs> Trish and Shane are literally the same person, except the, the she's like the female version of Shane. They're both real estate agents. They're both blonde and they're both narcissists, right? And they're both they both have delusions of grandeur, literally. <laughs> <laughs> So many, I have so many friends. I have so many Instagram followers. I'm so good at this pod thing because, uh, with my car, I've like, at any given time, I have like five to 20 people in my car because I just have so many friends. You guys pretty much all like me, right? <laughs> what was like really cringe was when she thought that Nick would choose her over Danielle and he went with Danielle. Yeah. <laughs> 
Because she thought she was, like, out of Danielle's league. And I thought that's quite a shitty thing to say as well. Like, I I didn't really. And then when she was like, um, I post loads of workout videos, they could see how hard I'm going. And Nick was just like, what the fuck? I loved, like, the rapid cut of all of the men reacting to Trish, just, like, their, he- their head in their hands. Yes. I do love Nick. <laughs> It was wild as how she went back to the room with the rest of the women and was like, yeah, so it's pretty much that all the guys are in love with me, so I don't know how I'm going to choose. And and there's like a super cut of them reacting like, what is this woman? That's what I mean, delusions of grandeur, right? Yeah. (laughs) So she's very humbled. I think she actually deleted her Instagram, which only had about 8,000 followers or so. Eight thousand, yeah, no, because people just kept coming on there, being like, "Wow, this is pretty sad." Like, <laughs> no one picked you, etc. So yeah, she was a one-off character we never saw again. And then there was like the silver fox guy. Apparently, he he did actually get engaged. Yeah, they didn't show all the engagements on the show. I think they left two couples out. Yeah, they only chose the most toxic couples, I guess, for entertainment purposes. So I read some tea that said that. Basically, production said the first six couples to propose would get to go on the Mexico trip. So there was a little bit of a time pressure there. Okay, okay. Which actually makes for good TV in the sense that the probably the most toxic people that wouldn't vet people properly would take those first six slots. But then the two couples that didn't propose fast enough didn't make it. So then they might have been a little bit more normal. But I don't know if that's official, but I just read that on Twitter. So take that with a grain of salt. So which couple do we want to do first? I want to do Shane and Natalie first, because we already mentioned Shane and how Trish are the same person, basically. I also want to save them. Do you want to save them? Save them for last? For like the grand finale, because they have the meatiest discussion, I feel like. Okay, okay. So let's actually go chronological then, like Nick and Danielle. So my personal thoughts on this was that I think out of the men who got engaged, I think that Nick carried himself the best, especially when he was interviewing the women. He made it clear that he was still keeping his options open, but he also made it clear to Danielle that he really, really liked her. And the other men didn't do that. And, and we'll come onto that in a bit. But I just thought Nick, um, he really carried himself really well. It's a bit too early to call him high value, but I really found myself liking him during the the pod phase. Like he had a few quirks on the Mexico trip where, you know, like making his own toothpaste. That's fucking weird. I don't see what's wrong with that personally. Like what's wrong with that? There's nothing wrong with it. It's just... And personally, I absolutely love my smellies. Like if a guy told me I met my own shower gel, I would be totally on that. I absolutely love that stuff. But that's just me. That's just a personal preference. As long as it's shower gel that actually like smells good. Yeah, if he's using like essential oils and stuff, like, okay, that's cool. I would be all over that shit. (laughs) I don't know. Danielle comes across as like very insecure and she did sort of trauma dump pretty early on, I think. And like, you know, the whole fight that they had in Mexico about because like she was sick with a stomach flu and he went out to hang out with people and she was like, she said something like, oh, you know, because of the way I look, I'm insecure and there's always going to be a girl who's skinnier or hotter than me. And I'm like, girl, like, why? Like, I I don't know, like, you're not benefiting yourself by having that attitude, right? Like, even if you do feel insecure, like, never let a man know. Like, don't project that shit, right? It's there's no benefit in it. She ruminates on it to the point where I think it's actually a legit mental health issue that she should seek help for. It's not just like normal insecurity where you where you feel like you have a fleeting self-consciousness about the way you look. It's like it's an obsessive 
process for her to the point where she can't function in any type of relationship. She doesn't have a good relationship with herself, obviously, but it just seems like that's taking the front and center of all of her relationships. And if you focus on, first of all, all your flaws and you start to alienate people because you're so insecure that you're just like constantly testing them and constantly getting mad at them for not validating you all the time, that's going to drive people away. So I feel a little bit bad for her. Yeah, so like Trish and Danielle are like the opposites. Danielle has like undeserved insecurity. Like she's not ugly. Like she's she's pretty, right? She's got a cute face. You know, she's not like obese or anything. She's got an all right like physique, I guess. You know, so she's like way less confident than what she deserves. And Trish is the opposite. She's like way too confident for what she deserves. That's quite common with people who've lost a substantial amount of weight. I think she said she lost like 80 pounds is that your brain doesn't really catch up and it's very easy to get body dysmorphia. Like you'll see a slim person in the mirror. This happened to me as well. But then you'll see the overweight person like staring back at you. And it's a, it's a real thing as well. And you're just constantly worried that people will judge you for previously being overweight. Like luckily, um, like Nick didn't, but I feel like if Danielle had gotten in front of someone like Shake, it might have been. Oh, I want to drag the fuck out of Shake later. <laughs> Um, he could have actually fed into those insecurities as well. And didn't Nick say he was also overweight, if I'm not mistaken? He said he was chubby growing up, but I don't think Nick was, even if he wasn't, he didn't strike me as the kind of person that would have judged her or looked at her any differently. Yeah, Nick seems all right. He seems like a solid dude. I mean, of the of all the men, him and Sal are probably the... I'm hesitant to say high value, but like the least low value. They're the least shitty. Yeah, they're the least shitty. Yeah, like they're the they're they're probably my favorites, Nick and Sal. When Nick proposed to Danielle, and you know they saw each other for the first time, I was like, oh my god, that's so beautiful. That's so cute. I'm so happy for them, <laughs> kind of thing, right? So, you know, I hope things get better in terms of their communication. But like, yeah, hearing them argue, it's like, what are you even arguing about? You're arguing about literally nothing. Like, just stop. Yeah, she's in, she's massively insecure and she's sabotaging herself. But but yeah, the first time they kissed, you could feel that they had the biggest emotional connection out of everyone. So I think that's part of why initially you just kind of want to root for him. And then it seems like Danielle is just slowly tearing it down. Yeah, my advice for women is like, be confident. Don't be like Trish confident, but like... And is Trish confident though? Like somebody who has to flex that much to strangers, that's not the sign of someone who's confident. It's the opposite. Yeah, that's someone who's, like, secretly insecure and, like, is projecting that. She's very insecure. Hugely insecure. That's the thing with narcissistic people is, like, deep down they usually are very insecure and they all of that, like, outward flexing is just to sort of overcompensate for it. But, like, what I'm saying is, I don't know, there's certain value in, like, going out there and talking to people and just, like, being, um, I don't know, even if you are an insecure person, there's, there is, it's almost like fake it till you make it. Like, if you show that you believe in yourself to other people, it's like other people kind of almost go along with it. But you have to be believable, right? So, like, the problem with Trisha is she's not very believable. But I, I definitely will tell women like even if you are insecure even if you're like working on leveling up going to therapy and stuff like in the meantime until you get there fake it till you make it right like just <laughs> project confidence project and like you know don't don't internalize your own like shame like just sort of externalize it like why the fuck does anybody else care right that that's how i felt about it especially if you're just starting your weight loss journey or your fitness journey or whatever whatever kind of journey you're on like you have to have a certain level of like fuck you looking at like you know about it. <laughs> 
say it like that, but like, because I see here women and they're like, I'm insecure to go to the gym because I'm overweight and I don't want people to look at me. You have to have Trish energy in that type of situation. I'm the shit. What the fuck is everyone else looking at right now? <laughs> like, but here's the thing, like, and I, I find like if I just walk around just like beaming with like confidence and just really like being in love with myself, like most people see that and they're just, they just believe me, right? Like, that's the thing. It's like, Most people aren't even paying attention to you, to be honest. Like, if, yeah, true. If you're feeling insecure, remember that you don't matter to most people. That's the first thing to remember. Well, in the gym, yeah. With If it's mostly strangers, yeah. Keep in mind, most people are not looking at you or paying attention to you, but like, or the beach, yeah. But I'm, t- I'm saying like, if you're going into, say, an office environment or even like a group dynamic situation, like, if you, you know, men can smell desperation. Men can smell insecurity. And I guess Danielle is just lucky that Nick... He's the kind of guy who, I don't know, maybe is, isn't the sort of guy to like take advantage of that. But there are men out there who, if they sense desperation and insecurity in you, they will take advantage of that and use that to manipulate you. And that's why when I go out in public or in a dating situation, when I'm talking to guys, is just being really like self-assured. You know, be really careful about trauma dumping too early, ladies. Like, I don't know, just don't, don't be like Danielle. Don't be blatantly insecure like that. I don't know. Self, it's self-sabotaging. Yeah, just keep it to yourself. and Don't give other people ammo. Anyways, what's the next couple? I want to do Shake and Deep. Deep is another person who lost a lot of weight. And you can see just the massive difference in how she approached it versus how Danielle approached it. Even in the face of someone who was antagonistic like Shake was about women's weight. I want to say, actually, first of all, Deep, I mean, she seems like a really sweet girl, like a really nice person. But I, I really broke my heart when, you know, there's this super cut of Shake, like asking all the girls, would I be able to lift you out of music festival on my shoulder? Or what were the what was the other question he asked about, like to find out their weight, right? Or he asked about their dress size or... He's such a tool. Like basically trying to find out if they were fat. Most of the women, Yana and Mallory, like they had this look on their face, like what the fuck? Like they, they most of the women there who had a, like a modicum of self-respect would just immediately reject that guy. Like even women who aren't themselves fat. Like if a guy was saying something shitty about overweight women, even if it's not something that applies to me, I'll still be like, oh, this guy's a dickhead and I still wouldn't want to date him, right? And so it made me kind of sad seeing him say that sort of stuff to Deep and her just being like, oh, okay, and just sort of glossing over it and just being fine with it. I don't know. Because then she had to sit there and ruminate about how she's going to tell him that she actually lost a lot of weight, right? Because she did tell him sometime after the fact, after they, I guess, had quote-unquote bonded. But at the same time, I think she should have cut him off, like you said, when he was first making those pointed questions about her weight. And then secondly, this is the thing that turned me off the most about Shake when he started talking about, oh, I usually date blondes. And I'm like... Blonde is a hair color, not a personality trait or it, or any type of description of a person. Whenever a guy talks about his exes like they're a porn category, fuck him. Like like next. Yeah. He seems he seems really really shallow and it's like if you care that much about looks, why are you on the show? Right. <laughs> I didn't really get why he was there. Yeah, it kind of bothered me that they tried to do a character arc for him. Like, oh, he realized that he's only shallow because of his own insecurities. And now that he's communicated deep and formed an emotional connection with her, now he doesn't care about physical appearance. And then they fucking meet. And you're like, 
Oh, so he does care about physical appearance. He does care about physical appearance. Yeah, he doesn't find her physically attractive. Every 10 minutes he was talking about, she looks like my aunt. I'm just not physically attracted to her. There's just no physical connection to anybody who would listen, which is just, (sighs) I mean, it feels cruel, right? Yeah. Imagine being her and watching that show after it gets aired, right? Like, I would not want to be married to someone who's ever said that about me, right? But I don't know. Shake, I don't know. He seems like the kind of guy that, like, all of my exes are blonde. Like, he seems like one of those, like, colorist scrotes that we talked about in the Scamming Men. Yeah. Yeah, he's definitely very colorist. 100%. You know in our episode of Scamming Men in Solidarity, how, like, you, you were bringing up how, like, the... <laughs> curry cells and the rice cells for example <laughs> they they fetishize the idea of being with white women because they associate that with status and to be with someone from their own race even if a woman from their own race is attracted to them it's like it doesn't count for them because they just don't value that sort of female attention which is really a shame and really like it's really sickening and just pathetic in a lot of ways. Like, Shake is the exact sort of guy where if he said that any of that shit to me and I've met these kinds of guys where like they'll be say something so colorless in my in my head i'm like i'm gonna traumatize you so bad you'll never even think of dating another white woman we got in trouble for airing that last time but lilith don't apologize (laughs) it's true why should i why should i keep that to myself it's true and you know what more white women need to have this attitude of like it's not a compliment to be the preference okay like just because he's nice to you and shitty to other women that's not a compliment to you personally yeah, and the way he talked about his exes anyways, it just seems like one big giant neg. Like, he just looked at them as a, oh, like a category. Yeah. yeah, they're blondes. I'm like, well, I'm, I'm sure there was something else more to them than that, hopefully. But perhaps he kept it very surface level because, well, first of all, he's just very surface level and didn't want to, like, give up any power in that relationship. So he just basically says, like, I'm dating a certain type of woman that he feels like he can exert power over. It just He just seems like his whole personality was contrived and built to just constantly nag women. Almost like almost like Tom Haverford from um, Parks and Rec, but unironically. Like he was ba- he's <laughs> yeah. basically him. He's Aziz Ansari's character, unironically, yeah. Unironically, though. Yeah. He's like, <laughs> he's like, I'm a DJ. I go, to f- <laughs> I go to festivals. No, but there actually are. The thing with Tom Haverford is like, there actually are men out there who are like that, who, who behave in that way. I've met men like that in real life in the dating world, right? Where, I don't know, it's like, how do I say this? I don't know how to say this in a way that doesn't sound racist. I don't know. Maybe I'll cut this out. But like, they're so desperate to try to be white that like, they'll just betray the women from their own race to do that or throw them under the bus. I mean, I have to say it does feel a little bit bit secondhand cringe watching two brown people talk about how much they don't date other brown people and how they only date white people (laughs) and i feel like Uh, i know right date whichever race of men treats you the best right but i think it's dumb to not be leading with the people you've dated rather than their race if you're just already like talking about the fact that there are race you know you have racial category preferences or like oh i would never date anybody like this it just makes me feel like you're not connecting with people you're just filling a void that you have because of your own internalized racism which is clear what's going on with shake and possibly with deep d2 yeah no i mean uh, with deep d it makes sense because again like if a lot of men from your culture are like shake or very misogynistic it makes sense that you wouldn't want to date them right it isn't always just down to that as well like some women can have internalized racism it's quite a complex issue it's not just down to the fact that the men are shitty because some of them won't be as well and also women can also internalize 
the idea that white means status or white means improvement as well. This is why I say it's a, it's a really sensitive topic. Yeah. So Deep Tea and Shake finally meet. And the first thing he does is grab her butt with both hands. Like that was so creepy. That was such a red flag. Oh my God. Oh my God. It was so gross. He was like, I want to, I want to show her I'm attracted to her. So I'm going to grab uh, two handfuls of her ass. It was so bad. And then he's not attracted to her. So why did he do that? It was like, he just groped her for no reason. I mean, I did think it was cute when he like touched her feet. I was like, oh, that's kind of cute. Like, you know, because she said how, oh, you know, if we get married, I'm not going to touch your feet because, you know, we're equals kind of thing. So he touched her feet and I was like, oh, that was kind of cute. I actually like that. But then he ruined it by whispering into her ear, I'm going to get you pregnant. We're going to have babies. That was so fucking creepy. Shake's been reading uh, Pick Up Artistry and Red Pill because yeah. a lot of the stuff he does is so contrived. And Pick Up Artistry, yeah. Yeah, it's Pick Up Artistry and the over uh, attempt to be masculine and dominant. And it just comes off a little bit stilted and emotionally immature. That's what a lot of these Red Pill guys look like in real life. Or these pickup artist guys. Yeah. If you want an idea of what a pickup artist red pill type looks like in real life, just look at Shake. That's exactly what they're like. And he's and he's mid. Some of them are way more obvious, and then some of them are a little bit more smooth, but like not by much. So he's he's probably on a little bit more smooth to a person who is not familiar with the culture, wouldn't necessarily pick up on it. Another thing that bothered me about Shake, the future faking, right? So when he first meets her, he's like, We're gonna get married, we're gonna have babies, I'm gonna get you pregnant. Like he's telling her all the things that she wants to hear. And then when they actually meet in Mexico, and she starts saying those things back to him like the oh my god the clip of her like cuddling up next to him and like saying that stuff to him and then you can see his face he has that like kind of like cringe face that just like felt like a stab to my heart like knowing how like heart you know she's so into him and he's like not into her and he said oh it's because i'm commitment phobic no bitch it's, that was a deliberate manipulation tactic when men say what you want to hear like right from the get-go to get the girl thinking oh he's really into me oh he must really like me and then he pulls back and goes like oh you know it's so fucked fucked up and like actually evil to say that kind of shit to a woman and play with her heart like that and then come back and like when she says that to you to act like oh she's being desperate and clingy fuck you i suspect uh, I expect him as well as Sal that they were going along with this because they wanted to be on TV yeah. because they know it can uh, raise their profile. Because even the people that don't have a successful match by the end of the show, they could get more Instagram followers and then like just have a bunch of thirsty fans. So he's a guy I feel like was just going to say and do whatever it took to be on that Mexico trip. To be on TV, yeah. Yeah, that's the impression I have of Shake. That's why he did the 180 afterwards, because like it was all bullshit to begin with. But then he he needs to have a storyline to stay on the show, but doesn't want to actually touch deep tea. Exactly. And it's so heartbreaking to me that he was constantly saying how like physically unattractive he thinks she is. And even worse is like seeing her sit there and like rationalize like her being like, I'm so into him. I'm so attracted to him. He's so great. Even just seeing the way he does this and this and eats food and everything. I'm so into him. I don't know. It just felt like, girl, like blink twice if you need help if you're being held hostage. I don't know. And it's okay if you don't find someone attractive. What's not okay is just to play with their heart in the meantime. Stringing them along, keep dating them, keep telling other people how unattractive you find them. Like that's really not cool. Especially to everyone else. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. He should have just broken off the engagement if he wasn't feeling it. Like Yeah, it's fucked up that everyone in that show knows that he doesn't think Deep T is attractive, except Deep T. Like she's the only person who who's doesn't seem to be aware. And it's just I hate him, honestly. I want everyone to know from the 
bottom of my soul, there's just a deep pit of like seething hatred for men like Shake, and I just want to destroy them. I hope Deepy says no. So the next couple is Sal and Mallory. Sal and Mal. Malvador. Mal- Malvador. Um, salary. There we go. That one's actually better. <laughs> like salary. Yeah. Salary. Collect those coins. <laughs> I, I want to say, first of all, Sal is my favorite. I think he's he's cute. But I don't know. What do you think, Ro? Maybe you don't like him. I don't know. See, I, w- I watched a little bit ahead. So, but my, my first impression of Sal was, yeah, he seems like very um, emotionally straightforward, seemed pretty grounded in himself. And wholesome and cute. Yeah. Yeah. Wholesome and cute. Yeah. I don't know if we have any specific criticism of him because he didn't really do anything except for it seems like be genuine up until this point. Um, I, they played like the never have I ever game and he seemed pretty accepting of Mallory both, I think, with, like her tattoos, like he kind of didn't really care. He wasn't like, I, I wasn't sure if he was going to be the type that was going to be like more judgmental, a little bit more traditional, but he didn't seem like he was phased by that. I think it's cute. He plays the little ukulele. I don't know. He says cute little like words in Spanish. I don't know. He's just a little adorable, flirty little guy, right? And um, so I think that's adorable. But Mallory, I don't know. She is low-key kind of, I like her. Like she's the sort of woman I'd probably be friends with, but I'd l- side-eye her. She's a pick me. She's kind of a pick me, right? Like she's definitely a pick me. Like she's very much I'm not like other girls vibe. Like she's like when she was talking to Jarrett and being like, you know, I'm just such a guy's girl, you know, like I just love sports. <laughs> I'm like, girl. To me, that's a red flag in a woman. When if they if they say that, it just I mean, to me, it gives me the impression that they over-identify with men and they try too hard to identify with men. And I find that very off-putting. I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong with liking sports as a woman. I think, I mean, I... No, no, it's not that. It's just that the way she was like, I'm a guy's girl. Like, it's just pick me. And also saying she watches porn, that was kind of weird. That's kind of my thing with Mallory is that I think she gets off on being like the wild one, right? I think where it got a little bit weird was at the end where... She has sex with Sal, and then later when Sal confronts her about a conversation he has with Jarrett, because Jarrett originally, Jarrett wanted to propose to Mallory as well, and then Mallory turned him down for Sal. And then at the meeting, basically goes to Jarrett and says, I don't know what, you know, I think she said, I don't know if I want to get married. And And like, they're basically flirting and kind of saying that like this entire thing's bullshit, right? Well, he asked her if she wants to get married and she seemed unsure. He also made the comment that she didn't get a gold ring. Like she said with Jarrett that she wanted a gold ring. And I guess Sal didn't get her a gold ring. He got her a silver one or something or white gold. She didn't seem like she was all that into Sal when she was talking to Jarrett. Right. And, And actually when they first met, Mallory says, I'm not attracted to him. And then somewhere down the line changes her mind, so to speak, or says, oh, I was just overwhelmed. And then says she's attracted to him and then goes on trip with him to Mexico, which again, so the question is that, is that production prodding? Meaning like, was she not attracted to him? And then the production was like, oh, well, now you got to go to Mexico. So you need to fake it. But then she did have sex with him. So maybe she was attracted to him on some level. I don't know. I I thought it was weird when she's like, oh, I'm just like so awkward and like quirky or whatever. I'm like, first of all, girl, if you're awkward, don't say you're awkward. Like, don't, I don't know. I find people who say I'm being so awkward. It's like, even if you weren't even being awkward, it's like you're making it awkward. But I I didn't get the flip flop from I'm not attracted to Sal to I'm very attracted to Sal. She didn't seem like she had made up her mind or that she was sure. That's thing with all the women in this show generally is they all seem to be like unsure of whatever guy they're with except for maybe natalie but most of them seem sort of like on the fence or like 
they're like, oh, you know, there's something wrong. Like Mallory even said the first time she met him, she was like, mm, like there was something not quite right, you know, something off or whatever. And then she just sort of rationalizes away that feeling. I want to tell all women, if you meet a guy and you have that feeling of like, mm, something's not quite right, you know, this doesn't feel right or whatever. Uh, listen to that feeling. <laughs> Trust your gut. Yeah, she might just might not be attracted to him. If, I don't know what the type of guy she dates, she has dated in the past look like. It could be a physical thing where he's just not physically her type. But again, if she dates guys that are into sports and like Sal's like this sensitive guy who plays a ukulele. That's my type. But maybe she, so that, now that I'm thinking about it, like maybe she was trying to genuinely, you know, immerse herself in the experiment and like date against type, right? Because it seemed like also Deep and Shake did that. They're dating against their type. So she's dating a guy who is more sensitive, listens to her. He's not like a big sports manly man type guy. So she's dating against type and then she meets him and realizes like, I'm just not attracted to this. So that could just be it. Maybe. Yeah. But yeah, she, she is kind of a pick me. I think Sal's adorbs, you know, set him free girl. Yeah. So moving along to Jarrett and Iana. So we can talk about the Mallory Jarrett situation first and then move on to Jarrett and Iana. So, um, Jarrett basically liked both Iana and Mallory, but had a clear and above preference for Mallory. And he proposes to Mallory and then Mallory turns him down. And then they meet later on when they go to Mexico and they have a little exchange where like Jarrett's clearly trying it with Mallory, right? Like basically like, let's, let's get out of here. You and me type of thing. (laughs) And she doesn't really, she doesn't really reject him and like soundly or anything. She's just sort of, um, He's basically like, do you want to get married? You, he's basically, qu- he basically kind of pulls a Shayna where he's questioning everything about the relationship. Oh, and we'll get to Shayna. You will get to Shayna. But yeah, he's basically trying to say like, oh, I would have been a better match for you is the point of that conversation. And she doesn't really reject that. So she seems like she's unsure as well, which I guess, you know, it's a weird situation, not blaming her for being unsure, but I think she should have been way more honest with Sal rather than when Sal asked her about it, acted like he was crazy. <laughs> yeah, that was so mean. <laughs> yeah, because she got really defensive. Yeah, that was kind of like a, a, a thing on Mallory. I'm like, Mallory, you should have just told Sal, listen, I'm not exactly sure how I feel about this right now. Even if, even if you want to say like, I'm not sure or I need to sort out my feelings, that, that's vastly preferable than acting like the man's crazy. The thing is, I'm not even sure if she liked Jarrett more. I got the vibe that she just liked the attention. Yeah. Because remember, she turned him down. Like, she didn't like him enough to accept his proposal. I think she was quite lukewarm about the two of them. Or wasn't lukewarm, but she wasn't super enthusiastic about the two of them. Although, that being said, it's clear she doesn't find Sal attractive. So maybe when she saw Jarrett, she found him more attractive physically. Yeah, that's what it came across to me, that like she just found Jarrett more attractive. Or more her normal type. I want to go off on a rant about the concept of types, because I don't think there's anything wrong with having a type, right? And in fact, I think it's a fool's errand to try to force yourself to be into someone that's not your usual type. There was a post on the subreddit a long time ago that I saw in like my early days of FDS before I was a mod and stuff that was like, you know, if you're not his physical preference, dump him because even if he's dating you now and he seems somewhat attracted to you now, if you're not his main preference, then he's either going to like cheat on you with a woman who is his preference or like, he's just not going to like truly value you or like see you as that important. Like, I don't know. I always tell women, like always be with a man who thinks you're like the most beautiful woman in the world. Who's like where you are exactly his physical type, because there's nothing more heartbreaking than like being with a guy where he's like, yeah, I like your personality. And like, yeah, we get along great. 
Uh, but, you know, I just don't find her attractive. Like the situation with Deep Tea and Shake, right? It's just like so mentally exhausting and emotionally like heartbreaking. It's like hurtful to be in that kind of situation, right? And so, yeah, I don't think there's anything wrong with being attracted to a ha- or having a type or just wanting to be with your specific type. It is foolish to try to force yourself to be attracted to someone you're not attracted to. Yeah, it's very tough because I, I always wonder if people mean like, oh, date a different type if they just mean like emotional type because you can still have like a range of physical preferences, but just date a guy who's emotionally different than the men you've been with in the past. Maybe, but like if you're the sort of woman where like you like tall men and something you find really attractive in a man, like I don't think there's any point in trying to force yourself to be attracted to a guy who's shorter than you just so that like to what? Like to prove a point, to prove love is blind, like Yeah. You know, like what to to prove some kind of like idea or <laughs> moral lesson or whatever. It's just pointless to me. Well, people sometimes fall down on they fall back on caricatures. So let's say like, oh, you dated a bunch of guys who were in a fitness and then you're like, I'm never dating any more gym bros. And it's like, well, did you only date the the guys who are in a fitness who were gym bros, because there's guys who are in a fitness who aren't gym bros. You know what I mean? But yeah, like there's guys who are in a fitness who are not dickheads, right? Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. Like there's, you can date a type and have like, or maybe even like a lifestyle preference for your partner, but have like need to maybe break some emotional patterns in the way that you deal with people. Maybe. I think that's a different, I think that's different than type though. To me, type is a physical thing. And so, yeah, I think I I have, this is the thing that I hate about Love is Blind and why I hate the entire premise of the show is I don't actually don't think that there's anything wrong with eliminating people from your dating pool because you don't find them physically attractive. I think it's fucked up that they get women emotionally invested in guys before they're able to do that kind of vetting. I think the show proves that love really isn't that blind. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, So, okay. So the next, so the next couple, we started on them. Oh, Jared and Yana. Yeah. Iana's adorable. Okay, she doesn't deserve this. So the thing with Iana, she fell into the pattern of trauma dumping too early. And it seems like she had a lot of difficulties in her life. And I don't remember the entire story, but essentially she she was adopted. So she was, uh, her mother couldn't take care of her. She went to live with some relatives. Those relatives ended up kicking her out. And then she ended up with some other couple that adopted her. And she was, she said she was also sexually assaulted when she was 17. She's also sexually assaulted. So she talks about all of her trauma to Jarrett. Jarrett also went through something where he was like stabbed, which pin in that. Let's get back to that <laughs> in a little bit. Can I say, first of all, the trauma, like the way that he reacted to her trauma, he seemed bored. Like the look on his face, well, they, she couldn't see his face, but the, when the camera zoomed on his face, he seemed to be like, he had this face like, damn, like that's a, that's heavy. Like that's a lot. Like I don't want to deal with this kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Then when he told her about his trauma, she was like, oh my God, that's terrible. I'm so sorry that happened to you. Like she was just like overflowing with empathy. I'm like, she's such a good person and she deserves so much better. But that's the problem. So that's exactly the dynamic I wanted to highlight because we talked about this in our 37 lies uh, you were taught about men series about how a lot of women think that exposing their traumas brings them closer to men, whereas men don't look at it that way at all. So you could see where she was like, oh, I'm so sorry that happened to you, Jarrett. And she's feeling like an increased emotional connection because she thinks he accepts me, accepts all the traumas I've experienced. And then she's saying that she can't kiss or like she doesn't like to do certain types of sexual things because of her sexual assault, et cetera. And you know, Jared is also trauma dumping about whatever happened with him getting stabbed up, which again, pin, because I, I want to revisit this in maybe the second half because I have some sus- sus- suspicions about it. No, what are your suspicions? State your suspicions now and let's see if it gets confirmed. 
I'm trying to figure out how an adult man gets stabbed by his friend. That's not drugs, money, or he was fucking with his wife. That's what I want to know. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah. I had the same thought. I'm like, how do you get stabbed by your friend unless you've done something weird, right? Like, I'm not trying to victim blame him, but at the same time, that situation, like, no, I'm, I'm victim blaming. <laughs> that's very suspicious to me. I would immediately be asking a hell of a lot more questions about that situation because it's just not normal to be slashed up by your friend. Unless you did something to deserve or precipitate it, that is. Yeah, exactly. So unless his friends are like really off his rocker, it seemed like, you know, more or less a crime of passion, but um, drugs, money, or women is probably something. He probably has something super foul. Even if he's like a street dude, like you just don't get stabbed for no reason. Yeah. Also, it was weird to me that like he he was like, oh yeah, I had this traumatic thing happen to me and I realized I didn't have anyone close to me at the time to support me. Right. I get this a lot. I, I'm not going to say which sport I engage in, but I do know a lot of guys who they'll get a girlfriend because they want someone to take care of them. Like this is a sport where that's very prone to injury. And so they'll get a girlfriend as like a sort of fail safe in case they ever get injured because they want someone to take care of them when they're like incapacitated. But these sorts of men, like if their wife or girlfriend got injured, they would dump her. Like this is this is what they and I've seen this over and over and over again, where like the man gets injured, she spends months, years of her life taking care of him, go, driving to doctor's appointments, helping him with physio, spending years of her life trying to bring him back up on his feet. And in the, with, if the roles are reversed, if she gets like, you know, I, I saw a case of uh, one of these men, his wife got breast cancer and he left her. Right. And so these sorts of men very, very seldom showed the women in their lives, the same courtesy. So if a man is saying like, Oh, I need to get a girlfriend or a wife so she can take care of me. I'm immediately suspicious of these sorts of men because I'm like, mm, would you do the same for your woman if she got sick? Well, he didn't. He didn't even with Iana, right? Because he was not responding the same way to her trauma as she responded to him. Exactly. And he still wanted to go for Mallory. And so I wanted, I wanted to highlight that specifically. We're saying like, she's, she's forming a bond and she says something very vulnerable to him, but he can't, he's not going to change his opinion that he wants a certain type of woman, right? And he's not going to be equally as reciprocating and accepting of her trauma as she was willing for his. And that's where it just gets really, really disappointing but we just saw that dynamic play out that we're talking about which is why we talk about just never lead with your trauma if i was um iana i probably would have saved the sexual assault conversation to like somewhere where you were more serious about getting having sex and then like talked about boundaries and maybe not even led with the sexual assault but just talked about certain boundaries you have and then when it came to her history with her mother and everything i probably would have just said i'm adopted or like just leave it and then wait till you've met this person to to talk about some more of the more heavier stuff because you want to be seen as a person and not your trauma but when you lead to your trauma you only get people to latch on to your trauma you're a person first you're not you are not your trauma your trauma is something that happened to you but is not you especially since the question that he asked wasn't even like he asked her like oh how's your relationship with your mother and she's and that's when she goes into the trauma dumping conversation i'm like he probably meant it as like a light question kind of thing and then she went really heavy so i could i could see in his face he was kind of like like this is really heavy this is not what i was expecting kind of thing right and so i don't know i just feel right he was expecting some girl to like completely just be his emotional sponge because he had a tragic thing happen to him and what i found really really quite i'd say probably the most awful thing about this whole season is the fact that he told her basically that she's second best that he proposed to somebody else and she said no and she still said yes that can never be me i don't know 
I sort of think that in that could be partly down to the setup of the show because I personally think if a man proposes to a woman on the show and she says no, he should be asked to leave because he shouldn't be able to go down his pecking order and find somebody else. I think that is incredibly cruel. And people are saying, oh my gosh, Jarrett was so honest about his feelings. I was like, I don't understand why men are applauded for saying something shitty or doing something shitty. Like, that is a shit thing to do to somebody. To basically tell them, I proposed to somebody else, she said no, so I'm going to propose to you. Fuck that noise. And you could see how insecure Iyana was for the rest of the trip, right? Like, comparing herself to Mallory, which was just... I would be super insecure. He's literally told you he he liked somebody else more. And he went and flirted with Mallory. That is just so disgusting. I think Iyana was smart to not have sex with him right away. Like, honestly, if I was in her situation, I probably would have accepted the second proposal just for the Mexico trip, but then kept him at arm's length and, like, not actually fuck him. So, if that's her strategy... Pull a Shayna. Pull a Shayna, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I probably would have done the same just like take the proposal go to mexico have fun not fuck him but yeah i just personally couldn't even accept that i just think my pride is too much to be accept a proposal from a man who's told me that i'm second best i just couldn't do it yeah see i have pride too but i would want to humiliate him back right like by i wouldn't even think he's worth it i would just think he's trash to be honest i mean if we're talking in real life where there's no cameras like, if there's no cameras in real life, yeah, if I found a guy proposed to another woman and then five minutes later proposes to me, yeah, then I'd dump him. But for a reality TV show... If I found out a guy got stabbed and was in the ICU and it wasn't, like, a random attack, I would be like, man, you have a lot going on right now. That's really <laughs> tough for you. <laughs> Next, because there's no... Because my reaction to that is, like, I would have so many follow-up questions and my immediate reaction would be like, so drugs, money, or women? Why did you? Why did your friend stab you? Yeah, bro, you've got better street smarts than a lot of these women. Like some of these women are like, yeah. <laughs> she was like, oh, and I'm like, like you were in some shady shit. I never would have felt bad. That's a lot. Yeah, that's a lot. <laughs> Just if he, I mean, if it wasn't a random attack, then I don't. Yeah, if it's somebody you knew, I'm like, yeah, your life is messy, bro. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, especially at your big age. Yeah, no, he's just a tool. And a dusty. Um, okay, so moving along to Shayna. So Shayna and Kyle and Kyle. With Shayna and Kyle. So Shayna and Kyle. That whole thing with Kyle just like completely ignoring the fact that Shayna had different values than him, and then he kept like compromising his values every time. Wait, should we summarize that for the audience? Oh yeah. Okay, so Kyle's the construction worker, and then Shayna. There was a sort of love rectangle where. There, okay, so there's Kyle, Shayna, Shane, and Natalie. So Shayna liked both Shane and Kyle, and Shane liked both Natalie and Shayna. This is confusing, but yeah. And Kyle was all about Shayna. Kyle was all about Shayna, and Natalie was all about Shane, right? Okay, first things first about Kyle, actually. I want to say, first of all, the first thing that they asked him, someone asked him, like, what are your hobbies? And he's, like, punching holes in walls. I'm like, okay, Satan. But he's a, he's a construction worker, so I thought that was a joke. I don't know. He just gives me, I don't know. He just gives me, like, dark vibes. I I, I don't know. Something about Kyle, he's got, like, I, I'm not religious or anything. I'm an atheist. But he just seems, like, kind of, like, devilish in a way. Like, a sort of mischievous kind of, he's got, like, even his face just looks, like, weirdly kind of, like, evil. I don't know. He looks like a little demon. I don't know. And he acts like a little demon. He's nice enough like he seemed like he was more or less self-aware um i didn't really have any particular issues with him i just thought it was interesting that he just he basically is acting like mark where he just wants to get with someone so bad that he'll just he, he just self-abandons completely like who's mark 
Mark was from season one, sorry. Yeah, he's like a male pick me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's like a male pick me is basically what happened. And then on their vacation, he eats meat for the first time in eight years. I'm like, why are you eating meat if you're a vegetarian? Wouldn't it make you sick? If I'm not mistaken, if you don't eat meat for years, if you try to eat it again, like you'll have extremely bad uh, stomach upset because you don't have the enzymes to break down meat. Like your, your gut flora is completely changed. So I would be really, really surprised if he didn't get sick on that trip, which we don't know. But either way, Shayna left him in the dust. She turned in at like 740 and then said, oh, I don't want to have sex with you. I'm a Christian. And then like that's... So first of all, queen. Okay, first of all, that reminded me of you. I was like... <laughs> Like when you're like, in that, what was the, the casual sex episode? You're like, oh yeah, I'd, I'd go into the club with my tube top, get guys all horny for me, and then be like, hey, first of all, I'm a Christian. So I was like, queen. Yeah, first of all, back up. I love the Lord, first and foremost. <laughs> yeah. So honestly, I, I, I even though Shayna is sort of like the villain of the season, I kind of like her. Like she's kind of like an anti-hero. I don't know. She clearly didn't like Kyle when she met him, so he just wasn't her type, so... She was throwing everything as an excuse to him to, to get him to like not like her, but he wasn't getting it. And he kept, you know, compromising, compromising, compromising. I mean, he's, they seemed like a cute couple at first until they talked about Christianity because he's atheist and she's Christian, right? So it, like there was even like a sort of record scratch, like sound effect when she asked about that. And she doesn't believe in evolution, which I'm like, what the hell? But I never found them cute because I knew she was always goo goo gaga uh, for Shane. And I found it interesting how she used religion as a reason to not go with Kyle. But I don't remember her asking Shane if he was religious. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's true. She's using it as an excuse to like dunk on kyle but and it's valid like i think if your if your faith is important to you then that and i didn't like the way kyle downplayed it he was like oh do people break up over that now i was like yes religious views are extremely important but shana didn't ask shane if he was religious from what we can see maybe she did and they edited it out but from the conversations they were having they were very <laughs> non-religious <laughs> conversations like yeah he was always asking her what she's wearing and she'd talk about what she was wearing and he'd be like oh yeah it makes me so horny babe <laughs> you're so hot he's oh you're so cringe oh he's so cringe anyways yeah so I, I do kind of feel bad for kyle a little bit but yeah it's kind of like I don't know. Have some self-respect, man. She's not into him, right? For whatever reason. Yeah, he he should have just... Um, it seems like for whatever reason, he really wanted to get be with someone and really wanted to get married. So he was willing to compromise on some things. Also, I think after he saw how hot she was, that's when he got more into her. Like, he seemed to be like, oh, yeah, I like her. I'm going to propose to her before he saw her. And then as soon as he saw her, he's like, wow, she's hot. Like, I'm, I'm going <laughs> to... I'm going to debase my entire value system for this woman because she's hot, you know? And there's some people that just aren't that committed to certain values. So I can kind of see where he's not like, he's not looking at it as, okay, this is like a huge deal or a deal breaker if I like her otherwise. But at the same time, I feel like she was, she was so clearly saying those things to get him to not like her that he wasn't picking up on those vibes. So, I mean, okay. So I want to say, first of all, like I, as an atheist, like I have been the sort of person like Kyle where I, because I don't take religion very seriously, and I, I also respect other people's beliefs, right? So I, I have dated religious men, uh, both Christian and Muslim. And in both cases, in all of these cases, I find that the fact that I don't believe in God and the fact that they believe in God just makes us incompatible just from the get-go. I think that, you know, maybe people with different religions maybe could maybe date each other, but I think an atheist and a Christian person, actually, no, even like 
even like people with different religions, it's like your belief systems are generally so different and it's about like life and death. Right. And so, you know, even if the other person means well, and they're not trying to like convert you in a hostile way, if the other person believes in God and you don't, they're probably going to think if they really care about you, they're going to be thinking like, oh, my partner is like going to go to hell. And they think they're probably like genuinely concerned for your soul and so on, right? Thinking I have to convert them, right? That's true. I'd be really hard pressed to date a Christian man. But I also think it's somewhat different for men versus women because the religions are patriarchal, right? So they have expectations for you as a wife. It's not like a personal thing where they just, they practice it themselves and then try to instill values in their children. They're doing that because they have certain values they want to imprint on you as a woman. Whereas I think when women bring their religion in, it might be something they sort of teach their children, but it's not as like expected that men follow or practice where it's very hard vice versa. So even now today, even though I'm not really, I'm not a practicing Christian. I don't really, I don't really, I haven't really thought about my beliefs long enough to figure out like if I, if I'm an atheist, I'm agnostic. I'm just sort of like, well, I'm here. And that's all that matters, I guess. Um, but uh, I'd probably be hard-pressed. I probably wouldn't date a, a Christian man at this point because I know that if he's Christian, he has certain values he's going to try to impose on me to live by that I don't want to. And not even that, even for if the woman is the Christian one, a lot of like religious women, they expect their husband to like lead them spiritually, right? And so if he's atheist, then he, that's not something that's going to happen in their relationship, right? She did say that, I think. So I, I agree that like in an ideal situation women who are religious want their husband to be the spiritual leader. I'm just saying in practice, it's so much easier to be the religious woman. And then the man just sort of like, yeah, that's her little religion thing versus like a religious man. He's he's going to want you to fulfill like your godly role because these are patriarchal religions that which support that ideology. He's not going to just be like, I, this is a personal belief that I live my life by. He's going to want to press that on women. Yeah. I do know several families where the woman is religious and the man isn't and it just like works quite well really yeah yeah my grandpa used to show up <laughs> sorry so my so my grandma's very happy religious so every sunday my grandma's in church all day every day you know or like all all day she's in church every sunday and then sometimes during the week and then she would always try to pressure my grandfather to go to church, but then he would go to church and be so embarrassing because he'd be in the front row, like, snoring loudly. <laughs> like, he would literally throw his head back over the pew, like, mouth open Homer Simpson style. <laughs> loudly snoring during the middle of the service. And what's crazy about it, it's not like uh, church services are quiet, right? So they have music and tambourines and everything going, and my grandfather is knocked the fuck out in the first pew. <laughs> like, Okay, that's embarrassing, yeah. And I can see I can see the pastor being like, wake up, like trying to get the person to like <laughs> show people who were sleeping. But my grandfather gave Nary a fuck. He was like, I work all day. I work really hard. Uh, Sundays are my day off. If I'm coming here, I'm going the fuck to sleep. So then my grandma stopped asking him. She didn't ask him to go anymore. <laughs> no, but this is why I think that even, even if it's the woman who's religious and the man's not, this is why I don't think it works because the man's just going to humiliate her publicly like that, right? Like it's, if it's something that's important to the woman. Well, he just, he'll just be an ass so he doesn't have to go to church. But that's a problem to me. I don't know. That seems like a dick move, right? So, <laughs> like, I, just, I don't know. It just seems humiliating for the woman involved, right? Like, if the woman is religious, I would want her partner to not humiliate her publicly like that, you know? In church, yeah. My grandfather was cool otherwise. He just wasn't, he just wasn't here for church. I just, I don't know. I just feel like it's important to have a similar value system. Even though, here's the thing, though. It's like, atheist men are like dickheads, right? I hate atheist men. So, I don't know. I find like guys who don't think that much about religion who are sort of like agnostic that's probably my ideal type or like men who are like ex-religious or whatever 
they're usually fine. Um, but no, God, men who are like raised atheists are tend to be like hedonistic, godless heathens. And I don't know, I just don't like them anyway. So, oh, and the other fucked up thing that Kyle said is he was like, you remind me a lot of my mother. I want a woman just like my mother. <laughs> no! Yeah. Oh, it was bad. Anyways, okay. Next, last couple, Shane and Natalie. Drum roll. Yeah, Shane and Natalie. Where do we start? Uh, anybody else, so pinning it, does anybody else think Shane's on drugs? Yeah, First of all, literally the first clip of him. First of all, has he ever blinked at all in this entire show? Like, <laughs> he always has his eyes like wide open, where you can see the whites like all around his iris too. Right? He's got crazy eyes. Yeah, he's he's an extrovert, but he's like a manic level extrovert to the point where I think he's getting chemical help. Yeah, he seems like someone who's on Adderall. Like seriously, <laughs> or he's, I actually wrote in my notes for this show while watching it. I said Shane seems like a crackhead. Like, that was the first first impression of him. And it's crazy to me how, like, everyone else seems fine with him and doesn't seem to have a problem with it. I, I'm trying to remember that we know what he looks like and the women don't. Because me as an extrovert, I'm just looking at him being an extrovert. And I'm like, he doesn't have magical powers. He's just an a- extrovert. But all the women are just, like, falling for his, like, personality. There's a few times where, um, where Natalie seemed way over-invested in Shane than where she should have been at that point. And I think part of it is because she thought his, like, extroversion was, like, a... A connection? Statement on her. Yeah, connection. And that's what I see people make a mistake who are introverts to extroverts. I'm like, extroverts are just like that. Like, we just... We're sort of flirty. We sort of like to make connections with people, but it's not necessarily as romantic. It's like some people get way too invested really quickly with extroverts. I felt so sad for her as well when the guys asked Shane, you know, what do you like about Natalie? And he was like, the fact she likes me so much. And I was like, oh. (laughs) So narcissistic, right? That's actually exactly what I thought. Like, as I was watching Shane, my pattern recognition mode, and I've danced with narcissists a lot over the course of my life. My parents were narcissists. I've dated narcissists. I've spent a lot of time around narcissists. And part of my level up journey with FDS was like going to therapy and learning how to like unpack that and like reprogram my brain such that I don't like fall for their fucking shit. (laughs) Because yeah, or like learning how to like spot the red flags of narcissism. That's like been really important in my dating world because for some reason, narcissists are just like supremely like drawn to me. But no, Shane was like setting off my pattern recognition mode like crazy. Red flag number one was how he was like, oh, I like how Natalie like seems really into me and I'm her number one. And, you know, she gives me lots of reassurance. But Shana, you know, she doesn't give me as, no- as much reassurance. Uh, red flag number two was when he him and Natalie, she was being a little bit like uh, sarcastic with him in Mexico. And he kind of snapped at her and was like, uh, can you just be normal? Like, can we have a normal conversation? Like it was because she said, Oh, are you fishing for compliments? Cause he was, that's just what he'd do. He, that's just how narcissists be is fishing for compliments. Right. And so narcissists often do this thing where like, if you criticize them even slightly or give them a tiny bit of pushback, they'll flip it back on you and try to make it seem like you're the person who has bad social skills or you're the person who's being a dickhead when no, like you're just like, Natalie was just being normal and kind of like playfully flirty, right? He just comes across so massively insecure to me that I thought... The nurses are insecure, like... <laughs> See, this is where it gets sticky because like as an extrovert, I would have taken his cue and been like, gave him a compliment, but it would have been kind of like funny, right? Like a backhanded compliment? No. Not necessarily a backhanded compliment, but if he was like fishing for a compliment, I'm like, yeah, you big burly man or something like that. You know, like something that's kind of funny, but exaggerated so he knows he's being a bit ridiculous so i didn't really i didn't i didn't clock that as a narcissist 
um, tell Mercer. No, no, no. It wasn't the fact that he was fishing for compliments. It was the fact that when she said, oh, are you fishing for compliments? And then he snapped at her. That was the red flag to me. And then third, third red flag was the fact that um, whenever they have a slight conflict, he storms out and says something really nasty on the way out. Like the first time was when he, and especially if he's in the wrong for something that's his fault, right? So the first time this happened, it was in there in the pods. He mixed her up with Shayna. He called her Shayna and was like, oh, Shayna is so great. I'm so excited to talk to you. And Natalie was thinking, was feeling a little bit betrayed because she thought they had this one-on-one connection. And, you know, turns out, you know, he was talking to this other girl and yada, yada. And so she kind of like wanted to see if he was like really committed to her. And then he said something like, yeah, I'm done. Like, this isn't worth it to me kind of thing. Like storms out angrily. And then he did it again when they were in Mexico, like, I'm done. I'm fucking out of here kind of thing. And I've had narcissistic exes do that to me all the time, where whenever we have the slightest argument and they think that, and especially if they're wrong and they think they're going to lose the argument, they'll storm out, say something really nasty or like, they're going to like threatening kind of kind of to break up with you or whatever on their way out. Yeah. He's just like, come on, come on. I'm like, well, come on. is not an, an apology or an argument. Right. Yeah. He just struck me as an asshole. I'm not sure if like, yeah, I'm not sure if like narcissist is the right term, but maybe I just don't know. Yeah. Ass- some people are just assholes. No extreme self-centeredness. No, I think he, he sets off my pattern in recognition mode. Like he seems like the kind of guy, like the more, the more close you get with him, the more like that, that sort of nar- because narcissists just seem like normal, friendly extroverts at the beginning. Right. And it's not until you, the more you get to know them that you see their dark side. And I see that with Shane or like at least the first five episodes so far. Anyways, I'm seeing. Okay. So I guess we'll find it. We'll, we'll start to see what happens in the next five episodes. Based on the first five episodes, he got roasted online. So uh, on the love is blind Instagram, like he's actually defending himself in the comments, or at least like trying to be funny about it, which is actually low key hilarious because people are just going in on him. What were people saying? They're just basically saying, uh, like, he was fouled for the way he treated Natalie when he mixed up the names, right? I think everyone clocked that as pretty much a massive red flag. So, so for me, when I look, when I look at how this entire thing unfolded, my biggest question is like, why the fuck does Natalie like Shane? Because I don't get why she likes him either. Because the first thing is, like I said, the, the, I think she overinvested in his personality because he's an extrovert. And so I think she, thought some of his rhetoric meant more than it did and then when he mixed her up with Shayna he was just like come on this is not what I want to be doing right now and it's like it's not about you you offended her and then rather than like her she was sitting there very silently and crying right and then saying I'm upset I'm being quiet because I'm upset right now that she did it and rather than just like immediately apologizing and being like man I screwed up like I still like you etc like he immediately was like you're you're making this difficult for me that's why I think he's a narcissist, because that's how narcissists act in arguments. Is they'll do something shitty when you respond in a way that's hurt. What they focus on is how your reaction bothers them or is annoying to them. The idea of, oh, I've hurt someone's feelings just doesn't occur to them because they're a narcissist. They're full of themselves. The only feelings that matter to them are their own feelings. If the other person is reacting to something they've done in a hurtful way... They're not even thinking about like, oh, I've done something shitty. They're thinking like, oh, you're annoying me because you're not giving me attention right now. So the second reason I wasn't sure why Natalie likes Shane is because she doesn't like all of his extroversion all the time because she even says like, oh, I get overwhelmed and she had to like take a break. I'm like, that's if that's annoying now, that's definitely going to be a problem living together, right? Like she she mentioned that she's not as extroverted as she finds that situation hard and i'm like well that to me seems like a fundamental incompatibility unless you're going to constantly be living your life separately because if you're burnt out on him 
and you're pretty early in your relationship, I, I feel like that's probably a deal breaker. The other reason was because of the fact that he was fishing for compliments and she doesn't really like giving them. And I feel like a person, like regardless of not if he's a narcissist or not, but a person who speaks the same language would have just rolled with it. And she doesn't seem like she likes doing that. Those seem like personality differences between the two of them that I think will just grow. Because he doesn't like when she makes the sarcasm thing and she doesn't like having to think of things on the spot to compliment him, right? That's not her strong suit either. And she doesn't like, she's overwhelmed by his personality and she's offended when obviously he mixed up their names and he, he reacted poorly. So I'm looking at it from Natalie's perspective and I'm like, why are you putting this much energy into this guy who seems like he has fundamental personality differences to you? Yeah. I'm not, I'm not, that's the thing. Like narcissist this I'm, and I'm firm in believing that he's a narcissist because like, yeah, all the like all the major red flags are there. The other thing is like narcissists require like constant praise and validation and re- reassurance. He even said like I feed off of other people's energy. Like other people's energy, I feed off of it. Well, yeah, because like narcissists are like a bottomless pit. They're like a black hole. They require you to constantly feed your light and your energy into them in order for them to feel complete and they never will feel complete even if you constantly praise them and constantly reassure them it's it's just so hard to tell like degree right because your garden variety extrovert likes being around people they do get energized from people they can be energetic on their own but being in a crowd like they get excited to connect with people but the difference between a normal extrovert and, and a narcissist is that an extrovert will at least care somewhat about the other person's feelings like a little bit like i've noticed with nar- with with extroverts, if they're in a group dynamic and they say something that offends the other person, is they don't want to like kind of ruin the vibe. So they'll be like, oh, I'm sorry. Like, I didn't mean it like that. Try to patch things up and then move on kind of thing. And like may- maybe even like compliment them back to try to make the other person feel good. Right. That's how a non-narcissistic extrovert would act. Uh, narcissist extrovert in that situation, if the other person's like offended, they don't think about it in terms of like, oh, did I hurt the other person's feelings? They're just thinking like, oh, you're killing the vibe for me this pisses me off. right? And then they'll try to turn it back on the other person. And the the idea of like apologizing or trying to make the other person feel good just simply does not occur to them. And that's why I think he's a narcissist. And so, but the thing with narcissists, they also are very charming. They're very like, that's why I think Natalie likes him. I didn't even find him charming. (laughs) But that's the thing. Like if you're, if you, if you're like us, where we know what are the red flags to look out for, right? Like what are the, bad things in these sorts of men, how to look out for superficial charm, that kind of thing. We see that and we're like, oh, that's not charming, right? But for someone who doesn't know, like we know, it's easy to get caught up in the sort of narcissist spell. That's true. So yeah. So I guess we'll see how the rest of the season plays out and find out and see where this thing goes. Because that that's our initial impressions. Obviously, everything's heavily edited as well as we haven't finished the season yet. So we'll find out how accurate we were. Yeah, we'll see if our predictions were correct. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) or at least like if their characterization was fair. So we'll find out in the next couple of weeks. So stay tuned for that. Thanks for listening, Queens. And you can check out our website at thefemaledatingstrategy.com as well as our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash thefemaledatingstrategy. We have weekly bonus content. And check us out on Twitter at femdatstrat. Thanks for listening, Queens. And for all you scrotes out there, I wouldn't pick you if you're the last guy in the pod. Die mad. See you next week. Hey, ladies, are you looking for a podcast that brazenly advances women's political interests? Check out Female Political Strategy. Female Political Strategy is a politics-focused spinoff brought to you by the ruthless minds behind the female dating strategy. I'm Lilith. 
a socialist, L, a conservative, and I'm Ro, and I'm politically non-binary. Join us as we shatter male-crafted narratives on all sides of the political spectrum and spearhead our agenda for a female-focused future. Tune in to Female Political Strategy wherever podcasts are distributed. You can also find us on Twitter, at Female Political. Until next time, Team Female. <laughs>